1: From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. And welcome back to the CQ Budget Podcast. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And first, we had a bipartisan deal to curb spending as when Congress suspended the debt ceiling. And now we're seeing the conservative backlash we watched as the House ground to a halt this week uh, as about 11 hardcore conservatives held up House business, voted down the rule they needed to pass some messaging bills, a clear rebuke to Speaker Kevin McCarthy here on the heels of the debt ceiling battle. It's first time a majority party couldn't pass its own rule in 20 years. That says something so, we want to talk about what that means for the House, for the Republican majority, whether they can get their act together next week in time to reach some deal as, as appropriation bills get started with markups. And joining me for all of that, we have Peter Cohn, the deputy news editor at CQ Roll Call. Welcome back, Pete. Good to be here, David. And Aiden Quigley, appropriations reporter at CQ Roll Call. Welcome back, Aiden.
0: Thanks as always.
1: So it was kind of uh, shocking. I don't think anyone saw that coming this week. When when you had eleven members of the hard right Freedom Caucus uh, lodge a protest, basically on the House floor, voting against the rule they needed to get to let bills proceed, uh, everything ground to a halt Tuesday. The House had to recess. They haven't been back all week. They're gonna. They're supposed to now reconvene on Monday as we tape friday morning they got into a mess here and and kevin mccarthy is feeling the heat he was meeting with various members uh, all day on thursday trying to resolve this they were pretty mum uh, about any progress they're making clearly they're trying to cut a new deal that would let them govern again but it it's kind of ugly we don't know how it's going to get resolved yet Pete, where do you think this is going?
2: Yeah, I, I don't think, you know, you, you sort of, there's a tendency out there to kind of put everything into neat little boxes where uh, there's, there's always a kind of a logical progression to everything. You know, and often, you know, we cover the budget and the appropriation stuff pretty closely, obviously, and there tends to be kind of a, a rhythm to it. You know, they're, they're negotiating in a room and they come out and there's either white smoke or black smoke you know, they, they give a press conference, they issue a statement, the details start to trickle out, you know, and then the text is released. I don't think this is like that. This is more of a kind of rolling thing where, and you have, you know, Scott Perry, the chairman of the Freedom Caucus came out on several occasions and McCarthy himself has come out on several occasions. And they said something similar. You remember what that was? It was that different members have different concerns. Everybody's kind of all over the place on this, so. This was a, there were any number of things that went into this initial, um, you know, circumstance. One of them was anger over the debt ceiling deal, which we know because we saw 29 Republicans vote against the rule on the debt ceiling deal. They didn't like that. Right. Voting against the rule for the majority party is is a no-no. You just don't do it. So, but, you know, this group of conservatives, they don't really care about about traditions in the House. They're going to make their... Their voice is heard, no matter what. Okay, so then fast forward to this week, and you had a bunch of fairly innocuous messaging bills that that unite most of the Republicans. I don't want to say I don't mean innocuous in the sense of they're truly innocuous pieces of legislation. I just mean that they were fairly non-controversial among the Republicans themselves. Right. So dealing with regulations and, and gas stoves, which is sort of a you know a, a cause celeb among on the right. So anyway, you'd think that would go pretty easily, but they found it a, very, a very convenient way to, to express their displeasure. And then there was the, the, the issue of another bill that they thought was going to get a vote on the pistol braces regulation from the ATF, that you had a lot of conservatives care very deeply about that particular piece of legislation. It wasn't getting a vote, and they thought it was retribution for what happened on the, on the debt limit deal last week. So you mix all that together, and then you have other people coming out and saying, there are other issues as well that are sort of involved in this dispute that we don't know about. You know that a lot of different members have a lot of different demands. So you know, fast forward to yesterday, and we saw, oh, boom! The House Rules Committee announces they're doing they're going to reconvene on Monday, and they're going to have the same bills that were on the agenda this past week that everybody was sort of unified uh, about, and then they're going to add the the pistol braces bill that uh, was a source of of a lot of controversy this week. And so all of that now is going to come back up. Steve Scalise, the majority leader, issued a joint statement with Andrew Clyde, the the lead sponsor of the pistol braces bill, and a bunch of other people, all the gun rights groups came out in supporting it. Everybody kind of holding hands on that. So, uh, I think, you know, they're going to end up getting the votes for a rule. There's not going to be this logical progression where they come out, there's white smoke, there's a press release, there's a press conference and and all that. This is going to be kind of an ongoing thing where if conservatives are feeling aggrieved, they might try this again at some other point. Now on the spending stuff, we know already that McCarthy is given the green light to spend less money in the appropriations bills than the debt ceiling deal allows for. So, um, you know, I think that's going to make the conservatives happy. They're going to start rolling out those bills next week, as you, as you alluded to before, David. And, um, you know, I think this is just going to kind of work itself out quietly and gradually. But they're going to hold McCarthy's feet to the fire um, by, you know, holding this over his head, saying, hey, maybe next time, if we're upset, you know, in the future, we might tank another rule.
1: Uh, and, and the the idea that different members have different concerns, as they put it, almost makes it harder to resolve because it's not – there may not be just one issue they have to figure out here, um, but but myriad issues that are going to make it harder to, to, to unify the party. Um, but you're right. They may be able to cobble together enough support now Monday to pass this rule that they need. The, the gun issue, the pistol braces, who does seem like that part's resolved – uh, they've wrapped that into this rule. So I think that'll satisfy Andrew Clyde, who was pushing a vote for a vote on, on that bill. Uh, so there's at least one vote they've won over, I guess. Um, so it, they sort of have to cobble together this coalition. But these these hardcore conservatives certainly did make their point and and did show that they can still, you know, gum up the works if if they're not entirely satisfied. And it does speak to the broader issue on appropriations, Aiden, because I mean, this really, I think, was mostly about the debt ceiling fight and how how these these hardcore conservatives really felt like, as Chip Roy put it, one of the conservatives that they were rolled, right that that, uh, that you know that all their priorities to to dr- dramatically curb spending were sort of were sort of rolled over uh, because they had to cut a bipartisan deal and and now they're just not happy.
0: Yeah, that's a fair a fair read of their perspective uh, at this point. I will say a big topic of conversation this week was what level the appropriators would, would write the appropriations bills to, whether that would be the caps laid out in the debt limit bill or the fiscal 22 levels that the conservatives want and say that McCarthy promised to them during the speakership fight. It's becoming increasingly clear to me that they're going to write below the caps, Maybe not all the way down at the fiscal 22 level, but definitely not at the level in the caps, which is what I would expect the final you know, bipartisan agreement between the Senate and the House uh, to reflect. So the House Republicans are, are trying to write bills that can pass subcommittee uh, and full committee. And those numbers are going to be below the caps laid out in the uh, debt limit bill. When you have someone like Tom Cole saying that the caps are a ceiling and not a floor, I think that's a pretty clear sign that we're going to see bills written underneath the caps in the House, which will obviously get no support from Democrats and, you know, moderate Republicans can't be that happy with.
1: Yeah, and McCarthy clearly this week did open the door to lower levels of spending than what these these bipartisan spending caps allow. Right. But some of the bills that they're going to start marking up are actually going to be higher. Right. I mean, they're starting with some of the bills that are actually get increases in spending.
0: Yeah. So next week, we're going to see the full committee markups for the Milcon VA bill, which will, which is going to see an increase over last year and the ag bill, which is seeing going to see less of a decrease than the other bills, uh, or at least, you know, to make the numbers work, the other bills coming down later. Later down the line, we expect to see uh, more steep cuts. Uh, The other two bills that we'll see in subcommittee next week are defense and energy water. Defense is going to be increased. And energy water, there's a large portion of that is defense related. So while we don't know exactly where that bill will land, uh, the cut cannot possibly be that large if they're protecting defense spending, which they will.
1: Yeah. So they're sort of starting with the easier bills because they they either have increases in them or very little pain in them, like the agriculture bill where it's technically a cut, but they're sort of making it up by clawing back some unspent uh, pandemic aid and, and other unspent funds, right, to sort of close the hole and not really have a, a deep cut there. So they're starting with some of the easier bills, but even on even on some of the easier ones like defense, there's a whole fight brewing now, Pete, over over the defense bill, because the conservatives, a, lot, a good number of, of Republicans, uh, not just the hardcore conservatives, say defense isn't isn't going to get increased enough, and we've got, we've got you know we know we're going to have more Ukraine aid coming down the pike. Um, McCarthy is all is already swatting away the idea of a supplemental spending bill that the Senate wants. It sounds like we're heading for for a big clash, even over defense spending.
2: I, I think well, <clears throat> let's see what happens in September when they get back. You got this Ukraine counteroffensive going on right now. We're going to have a long hot summer. They don't actually need a new cash infusion. We're told until until the fall. So we'll see what happens in the Senate. Right now, tempers are hot. You know, they came out of this debt ceiling deal last week, as as you both have noted, feeling rolled. Right. And, you know, and then on, on the flip side, you had the defense hawks in the Senate also feeling rolled. They felt like it's not enough. Defense is used to ten percent increases, right? I mean, they're only getting a three percent increase in this deal. So um, it's this is a new thing for a lot of people. So you know, let's let's see what happens over the summer. We we'll get into September. They got to do CR. They got to make sure the government does, doesn't shut down first. All right, and uh, you know we'll, we'll see what happens. We got a lot of time to go in this process, and um, you know I, I don't think it's time to start, um, you know, freaking out over a government shutdown just yet.
1: But it does seem like it's it. It now sets the stage for very divergent paths for the House and Senate, uh, right? Because. Because now the House Republicans are under a lot of pressure to write uh, lower spending bills even lower than the caps that they passed uh, to satisfy their hardcore right wing or else or else they'll get this backlash that they're trying to avoid. And meanwhile, the Senate has to operate on a bipartisan fashion. They're going to stick to these bipartisan spending caps, it seems like, and you're going to have a real divergence, Aiden, between what the House is up to and what the Senate's up to, which is going to really could create an even bigger mess this fall, right, when they have to try to reconcile all this.
0: I mean, that's true, but the fact that there are caps means that difference will be less than there would have been without this debt limit deal. You know, the Senate and House were always going to write very different spending bills at very different levels with the Democrats in control over on the Senate side and having to operate in a bipartisan way. So yeah, there's going to be a difference between the House and Senate bills, but I think it's a fair... I would be surprised if we don't land at the cap levels at the end of the day when you have to come to a bipartisan agreement, especially since McCarthy signed off on these caps as part of the debt limit negotiations. So I think that's where we're heading. Uh, as you pointed out, Obviously House Conservatives want to come in at a lower level, especially early on, but they wouldn't when you think about the appropriations endgame, that they were never going to be a piece of the coalition needed to pass these bills. You know, the final whatever, you know, when we get to the end game for the appropriations, we'll see a bipartisan group like probably along the lines of the votes for the debt limit bill come back together and, and pass spending bills at the cap level is would be my prediction at this point.
1: So what do you both think? Do you think, you know, the House is supposed to reconvene Monday? Do you think they get their act together and and they pass this rule that they needed and everything gets back on track?
2: Yes. I think they they passed, they uh, they adopt this rule because it's going to have the pistol braces bill and then a lot of other things that's, that's with a lot of red meat in it for conservatives. And uh, they're going to see how these spending bills roll out. And they're going to be uh, below the caps. They're going to be below the debt limit deal. There's going to be some chest beating that you know they they've successfully held McCarthy's feet to the fire, and um, I think they'll uh, they'll just they'll start going through the regular process like this, and then they'll meet in conference in the Senate. But that's not an issue till the fall. And um, you know, again, keep in mind everything is still very fresh and raw. This just this debt limit deal just happened. People are still chafing over it. So I mean, we have a tendency to to you know immediately sound the alarm. You know the siren goes off, and we just we we just obsess about every, every you know mean thing somebody says about somebody else. But you got to remember, this is this just happened, and uh, we got a lot of time before the rubber really hits the road. I mean, one thing I'll point out. We haven't talked about this yet, but this backstop mechanism they have in the debt limit deal, this sequester, it doesn't kick in until May 1st of next year.
1: Yeah, this is the, so, the across the board cut, we should say, of, of 1% um, that, yeah. that was attached to this deal as an incentive to get spending bills passed on time. And if they don't right. pass them on time, so the, it's not the sequester kicks in.
2: It doesn't kick in on on October 1st. It doesn't even kick in on January 1st, as a lot of people have been saying and reporting that January 1st this hits. That's not the case. They have until the end of April to do this. We looked this up. Only one time in the last 25 years at least, and maybe going back further than that, has Congress not finished their their appropriations bills, or at least the CR, uh, for the year by the end of April. And the one time in the last twenty five years that's happened, they got it done on May third. So if if they're yeah. on their way to finishing this, they can easily put language in there turning off any cuts.
1: So that seems mostly symbolic, then, right? I mean, it's it's very unlikely it would take till May to get these done. I mean, we're, I mean that's <laughs> you know that's that's so unusual that I mean, it's strange,
2: like, Stranger Things have happened, but you know yeah, there's going to be it, enough of an incentive on both sides to avoid that from happening. Nobody yeah. wants to see. Because if it does happen, defense will be cut, non-defense will be cut, a lot of things will be cut on the non-defense side, uh, except veterans, and a few other things like Pell grants. But and so nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see that happen. But you know what I'm saying is there is a lot of time to resolve this. The immediate hurdle is getting the bills out there and demonstrating that return to regular order that they've been talking so much about in both chambers. It doesn't seem like it's going to be that much of an issue in the Senate. But now the conservatives have clearly demonstrated they're willing to hold rules hostage to even get the bills to the floor. They're going to be looking at, at what's in these bills that come out of the House Appropriations Committee. And that's why McCarthy's comments are so important this week that he's opening the door to spending less money than what was envisioned in the debt limit deal. And so it's going to be a rule by rule process. Conservatives are going to get, remember, they can bottle this up in the rules committee before it even gets to the floor. They've got three votes on the rules committee that if they don't like a, the bill or if they don't like the process for amending the bill on the floor, they can just say, hey, forget it. We're not doing this. And then the whole thing grinds to a halt again. So they can continually hold this over the leadership's head. It's going to be case by case. I think they've made their point on the, on these Red meat bills that uh, were shelved this week, and they'll probably let those go now, especially with the pistol braces bill coming back up. But they've got a lot more opportunities, and this is going to be a rolling thing throughout the year.
1: And we should say, you, you know, this this holdup was blamed on the Freedom Caucus, who which, are which the hardcore conservatives. But actually, most of the Freedom Caucus members did stick with leadership and did vote for this rule. It was only 11 of them who defected. Um, so it was a minority of them, but the but the problem is when when the house majority is so slim with just a five vote margin, it only takes a small number of them to gum up the works, and that's that's what we saw. Eleven was more than enough to yeah. to ground things to a halt, right?
2: So they got to win. So they got to win seven seven of them back, right? You need seven. So right. maybe you get uh, maybe you get two or three with pistol braces. Yeah. Maybe you get three or four with spending less money in, in the you know in the House of bills. You know some combination of that you get what you need. and, and I think so that's we may not even at. we
1: may not even learn exactly what was promised to them in order to win get their support back, uh, which is which is part of the problem here too, is this stuff is so murky. I mean, we also had these conservatives claim that you know McCarthy made promises to them back in January when they supported him to be speaker. That were never written down, and so we don't really know what the promises were. And we saw an open feud over what was promised this week, which was striking to me. You know, the Freedom Caucus folks had been saying for a long time that M- McCarthy promised we would we would write spending bills, you know, pair them back to the fiscal 2022 levels. That was that was the deal to to win their support over. McCarthy this week came out and said, "No, that's not true. I never promised to to that the bills would be written to fiscal 2022 levels. I I only said we would strive to do that (laughs) to the extent possible, or whatever phrasing he used. I mean, he he, you know, that shows. I mean, how murky this stuff is. What was what promises were made when?" it's all just sort of word of mouth um which makes it very hard to track and and very hard to hold people accountable because there's not even a common understanding within the within the Republican conference i don't think of 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 what the guidelines are here what promises they have to rely on and so every time there's a little flare up like this or or feelings get rubbed raw over this major debt ceiling battle you can have these kind of clashes that come out. Um, and then all it takes is, you know, several of these guys to protest and and McCarthy is hamstrung and the house can't function.
0: Yeah, and I think I think tying this back to appropriations, the current focus right now is can they get these bills out of the committee with our four Freedom Caucus members who if they all oppose them, you know, could potentially you know defeat these bills. And if they write the bills that have, you know, with extreme cuts, maybe moderate start to affect. So I think that's kind of the more kind of building off Pete's point that there's still a lot of time left. The more immediate focus here is on the House side, can the Appropriations Committee pass bills, pass these early ones, which are looking like they should be able to pass the committee pretty easily. When you get farther into bills with deeper cuts, potentially can those make it through and on the Senate side, the focus is: Can they hit their June 22nd target date to start their markups, or will we not have any markups until July? Right now, Senate appropriators are still negotiating on what the allocations are going to be. There's no agreement there yet. So if they're going to do markups uh, two weeks from now, they really got to come up with something pretty soon.
2: Yeah, and Aiden, Aiden hits on the other really important thing here is that, and like this entire strategy that the, the Freedom Caucus, at least the, you know the small group of Freedom Caucus members, is is embarking on, relies on actually being able to get the appropriations bills to the floor in the first place, and so, you know, if they can't agree in the in the committee, then the the whole plan is shot. You know, you can't you you do not you lose your negotiating uh, strength when you go to conference with the Senate, which is going to have much bigger spending bills, right. So uh, they got it's the same, it was the exact same thing with the debt limit, which is why McCarthy ended up cutting that deal. You know, he was able to event to, and he, the only way he was able to even make the deal that he did was because the House passed a bill on the debt limit back in April. If, he, if the House hadn't been able to pass anything, they would have been left with almost no spending cuts as part of that deal. So the Freedom Caucus has got to be careful not to overreach, because if they start- you know, if the bills aren't conservative enough for them and they, and they lose votes because you're not going to get any Democrats for some of these bills, uh, maybe on Milcon, VA, possibly. But, uh, I mean, you know, if, if you start losing Freedom Caucus members or, or others in the, in the Appropriations Committee, forget about passing these bills on the floor. And then they're right back to square one and the Senate's going to jam them with something that conservatives are really not going to like.
1: It does sound kind of ugly to me. I mean, and, and if the bills have to be written to a much lower level now, I'm just trying to picture the always contentious labor HHS education bill depending how much they cut that back now for these conservatives. I wonder if some of the moderate Republicans get queasy voting for it and and the Democrats we know are going to be in up in arms about it. Does that even does that even get out of committee?
0: that's a that's a really fair question. I will say that the moderates are usually willing to go along and and be team players you know, when it comes to the larger Republican conference. But if they have to vote for a labor like a huge cut to that bill, that's that's not going to be an easy vote for them and and I would expect the Democrats would start hitting you know, these swing district Republicans, a few of them are on the Appropriations committee for supporting legislation that includes major cuts. So definitely something I'll be keeping an eye on. As we kind of get farther into the uh, you know House Appropriations uh, marker process,
2: yeah, and even if they can somehow get that bill out of committee, you know, remember it doesn't have it's not going to have any earmarks in it, so that's going to make it even harder to pass on the, on the floor. And I mean, there's there's a long tradition, even in the years when the House and Senate, uh, or even just the House, were really going through the regular order process, moving bills out of committee, moving them on the floor. There is a long not so illustrious tradition of not being able to pass certain bills in the house. And, you know, they went years without passing the Homeland Security bill, for instance, under, under the leadership of both parties. You know, there are plenty of years where they haven't been able to bring a labor HHS, HHS bill to the floor either, you know, and that, and you know, they're not alone. So, you know, again, this is going to be the, the key thing here is that is what happens with these bills in the house. Can they get these bills, to conference with the Senate in the first place, because if they can't remember, there's going to be a lot more bipartisanship on the Senate side and make it easier for them to move bills. Of course, the senators have to agree first, as Aiden pointed out. So the Senate's got to get its act together too. There's no question, you know. And the Senate has a very bad record in recent years of passing any any uh, you know standalone appropriations bills. So we'll see what happens in the Senate, but you know since we started this conversation around the conservatives and and sort of the you know the hostages that they're taking um grinding the house to a halt that's kind of where we're where I think we should end up which is that they got to be careful not to overplay their hand because then they'll be left with basically nothing if they can't pass any bills through the house
1: well we're in for a exceptionally contentious appropriation season i think uh there's a lot there's a lot of tension here uh in a in a divided polarized congress th- that's going to even be more difficult now uh with these with these contested spending caps that they have to work with uh it's going to be fascinating to see how they sort this out if they sort it out there won't be much time you know if, they'll be away for august and come september they're going to have to work on a stopgap funding measure because they'll be out of time so this is going to drag on for for quite some some months. But we'll see what happens. We'll be covering it all for you. But that's all the time we have for today. If you like what you hear here, you should subscribe to the CQ Budget Newsletter. It hits your inbox every morning when Congress is in session. You can find that at cq.com. You can find all our coverage at cq.com or rollcall.com. Thanks again to Peter Cohn and Aiden Quigley for joining me. Thanks, guys.
0: Yep, yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks, David.
1: And thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. We'll see you next time.